Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I left the city I've been browsed Treading water that they drown I head on a swivel Yeah It's only really my surroundings Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And we're a quarter of the way into the season now, right? We're four weeks in. It's a quarter of the way in the fantasy world. And, you know, we want to talk to you guys about, of course you guys knew Corderell Patterson was going to be the RB1, right? And Debo was going to be a top five wide out. And Darnold was going to be a QB1. We all knew that, right? We've been talking about that all offseason. Now, we want to talk to you guys and we're getting tons of questions about is this guy for real? Is this guy for real? What should I be doing with my teams when I'm 1-3, and 0-4? Oh and, and my co-host tonight, Mung and I are going to break that down. Mung, first off, it's been a couple of weeks, but I want to congratulate you on the, the personal news, locking up your 101 there. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, I just got engaged in New York. Um, that so. gets a cowbell. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But yeah, uh, a lot, a lot going on, but uh, still, still focused on football. You know, <laughs> hey, we still have to. Um, rocking the Smash Accept hat for you guys that are watching on YouTube or on now Periscope's gone, but now on Twitter Live, you guys can go check those out at Viridian Global. Let's jump right into this because we have so much. Right, four weeks in, that puts us at the one quarter mark. You know, so we always talk about breaking it into to quadrants and and trying to talk about things and. Assessing our team. So I was looking at something and I found some research that Alex Cates did uh, recently posted across 100,000 ESPN leagues in 2019 and 2020. If you have 10 wins across your across your season, you know, you go 10 and 4, you have a 99% chance of making the playoffs. That's pretty much a given, right? You move down to 9 wins, we're talking about a 91% chance. And then you move down to 8 wins and we get to 60%. 7 wins, 20%, 6 wins, 2%, right? That, like, never happens. So if you you might be 4-0, you might be 0-4. You know, I have a lot of teams saying, you know, it's, it's 0-4, it's time to hit the reset button. Not necessarily, right? I mean, you could literally win 7 more games out of, out of your last 11 here and put yourself, or 10, depending on what your league is, and really put yourself in a position, you know? I know there's some teams out there, Mung, where, where you assess your team and you're like, you know what? Like in Smash Except, you're a really good team and you're 2-2. Two and two. It's not anything to get worried about. But that team, you know, I'm 4-0, and oh, but points-wise, I could very easily be 1-3, 0-4. Oh so you got to kind of take the time after these first four games and really look at your team, right? I feel like a lot of people want to blow it up early. But I've seen teams go 0-4 and, and come back and get strong towards the end and have guys like Jonathan Taylor like last year and have those guys that really blow up and carry your team. And you might have just sold out way too early. So how do you assess things after four games? And we talk about that a lot, trying to see where you're at, see what kind of direction you have. But how do you assess things after four games? 
Well, like you said, it's not so much the record. It's all the ancillary stats of how you got to your current record, right? Whether you're 0-4, 4-0, or anywhere in between, you want to look at your points fielded versus the league average. And then also the points fielded against you so far in these games. Because there's a lot of reasons why a good team could be 1-3 and or something like that. And with a little luck, a, a non-real contender uh, is possibly 4-0 right now. And I say non-real because they're clearly in position to make the playoffs, but unless that dynasty GM is smart enough to realize, oh, I got lucky getting here, I still need to make some moves to actually win the next four games. Um, so, you know, it's important to constantly evaluate your roster and also why your record is what, what it is. Um, once you get there, I, I know this is all very generalized, but this is why we need context when you guys post your yeah. trade questions on Twitter, right? Because if you're one and three, but you've got Christian McCaffrey possibly coming back and you've got some guys who are hurt or just unlucky the first few weeks, then yeah, you shouldn't panic and you should continue making moves to bolster your roster as a contender. Um, so a, a lot of these trade questions are, are dependent on your roster and your league and, it's hard to hit up everything with general advice that we tweet out. So, yeah, yeah I mean, when you guys hit us up, as much information as possible. Yeah, and, and this is the time of year where we have a lot of the, you know, quote-unquote casual fans coming onto Twitter because it's a regular season coming in there. And you guys are tagging us on, on Smash, except it's just, who do you want, Swift or Diggs? And it's like, no, we, we need more context. We need to know what's going on. We need to know, you know, what direction your team's going. We need to know what size league. We need to know, is it full PPR? Is it points per carry? Just a friendly reminder about that because you guys are tagging Mung and myself and, and John and Smash accepting so many trades and we love answering them. We just want to give you the best advice possible, right? So, I mean, like that kind of question where do you want Swift or Diggs? There's so many other things to go involved there, you know? So if you're 0-4, just be patient, you know, and take a look at those things. And I had one fan, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about his trade later. He's 0-4 right now, and he's like, yo, Dad, can you check out this roster? What do you think here after this trade, you know? Because he sent a question, pretty basic question. I answered it, and then I said, well, let me see the rest of your team. And then he sent it to me, and I'm like, dude, just just chill, you know, and, and let's let's jump into that one, actually. I know it's down a little bit further, but you, you segued it perfect. Um, we're looking at... Right here, the guy sending the trade. He's the Sultan of SWAT at Burnerman00. And, and this is a CEH type trade. But he goes, eh, do I want the 23 first and second in a one quarterback league, both late picks, or Clyde Edwards Hilaire? So Twitter right now, they hate Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So they went 58% are saying, take the picks, right? Get out of it. I look at it a little bit closer and we're like, okay, you know, if it's it's a one quarterback league and they're both late. So we already know this year in one quarterback leagues and this year's class was better than last or the, the upcoming class we've seen so far. You're looking at a quarterback there, right? I mean, there's a lot of, you're looking at Trey Sermon, maybe Elijah Moore, maybe Rondale Moore, and you're giving up a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire who, you know, weeks one through three weren't pretty, but he busted out for 19 fantasy points in week four. You know, he looked that part again. And then I was like, well, what you're 0 and 4, what's the rest of the team look like, right? You know, because it's one thing to just sell a running back to get a pick and make it fluid. Then he sends me his roster. He's got Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, C.D. Lamb, Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore. And I'm like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here, man. Keep Clyde Edwards Hilaire because your team looks borderline playoff, you know, right now. But if you just let this team go for, you know, the, you be patient, I think next year this is a playoff type team. 
So those are the kind of situations where you really got to look at it, right? I mean, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire worth a first and a second? In my opinion, in one quarterback, that is still a smash except. Twitter is totally on the other side there. And I know you've been watching Clyde Edwards-Alaire even closer than, than most. I mean, he looked fantastic in week four against my Eagles. Yeah, and again, um, it's not so much the fantasy points, but the underlying usage and you know how these players are being deployed that really uh, is how we should try and project out for them going forward, right? And so it, it's kind of a love-hate relationship with uh, CEH right now because the upside is there, right? The tantalizing upside of being that number one running back in the Chiefs offense, we know how valuable that role could be hypothetically. Um, the problem is thus far, you know, Patrick Mahomes has not been targeting the running backs that much. Uh, we know that league they are they do target that position below the league average, and then at the same time, we are seeing here and there. We saw Daryl Williams get a touchdown with a goal line run uh, this past week. So they are taking him out near the goal line in certain situations, but I I do believe that one was later in the game when they were up multiple scores. Correct me if I'm wrong there. No, you are correct. And what I told him is you got to look at it this way. You've had some bad luck here, right? I mean, Dobbins went down. Jonathan Taylor, aside from this week, hasn't really put up the numbers. CeeDee Lamb the last two weeks hasn't been himself. You know, T. Higgins has been banged up. Deontay Johnson's been banged up. This is a talented roster. And then I looked at the rest, of it and his bench is super deep. I mean, he's super young. Like, his oldest guy is 24 years old. I'm like, just be patient. You know, and that, that particular pick there, what's that going to do for you? If the rest of your team catches on, right? You're 0-4. You just traded, you know, you just traded Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to a potential contender. And now all of a sudden, let's say Jonathan Taylor catches fire. CeeDee Lamb catches fire. Now you're a borderline playoff team and you're missing out on that, you know, RB1, RB2. You gave him up for a pick that doesn't happen for two years. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because through four games, we do have a sense of where we stand. And if you are 1-3 and three and 0-4, and it's not a good feeling, right? Because you, you are very unsure whether you're going to make the playoffs. But I would hold off on making any major moves until week six or seven. I think that's the point in the season where we're close to the halfway mark. We have a better gauge on how many of these big, perform, excuse me, big performances are for real, um, how many of these players are indeed locked into certain usages and at that point you can say okay my team is has x number of wins but i either do or do not see myself getting the three or four necessary to make the playoffs um so for now i would hold off on any on any huge moves absolutely so let's talk about next tyreek hill is the unquestioned dynasty wide receiver one you've been right about it you know and i got to give you props to that but i mean we know he's going to have those performances, right? Like week two where it's three receptions for 14 yards. But on the flip side, the reason we draft Tyreek Hill where we draft Tyreek Hill, and I'm so happy in every league that I got him because it's like I was at Hershey Park with my son. He's a big Chiefs fan. He loves Patrick Mahomes. And it, the updates just kept coming in, right? Tyreek Hill touchdown. Tyreek Hill touchdown. And he goes off for 11, 186, and 3. And the craziest part, that's not even his best performance. He is a league winner. He is a weekly winner. You know, he's going to put up a dud now and then, you know, in that offense, they're going to spread around. But I mean, Tyreek Hill right now, and DLF just came out with it, the ADP in a one quarterback league. I think it's almost ridiculous that he is right now in, in DLF's, you know, current, they, they do their mocks and they put everything out there. He's the 112 in a one quarterback league behind the following wide receivers. So Jefferson's going at three. Lamb's going at six, Metcalf's going at eight, 
Adams is going at 9, and Jamar Chase is going at 11. So you're telling me right now Tyree Kill at 27 years old, 26 turning 27, he's not even there yet, is the wide receiver 6? I just don't see it. You know, I feel like right now and a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these mock drafts, people are really drafting for youth, you know, and they're really trying to go out there. And like you and I talked before we jumped on here, predict the next big thing, right? The next big move. And just to cut, so catch everybody up here, CMC still going 101. DeAndre Swift is the 102. So Jefferson at three, Dalvin Cook at four, Taylor five, Lamb six, Kamara still going at seven, surprisingly enough. Metcalf eight. Adams 9, Najee Harris all the way up to 10, Jamar Chase at 11, and Tyreek Hill at 12. How high up there should we really be having Tyreek Hill? I mean, I don't. I feel like 12, if I was drafting there and I was able to get him at 12, I would feel fantastic. It's a tough question because, again, this is very contextual, right? Yeah. Because if, you're, if you are 0-4 with a, a pretty bad team, or even if you're two, and if you're zero and four with Tyreek Hill, you you didn't do the rest of your team right. Right. Well, you know, to correct yeah. myself, let's say you're two and two, right? The yeah. Two huge games that he had, you barely squeaked by with right. a couple wins, um, but you know, you got lucky with, I don't know, the the James Conner touchdowns too, right? Yeah. Let's say something like that, and the rest of your roster, it's just been a very fluky wins. You had, you know, uh, Jameson Crowder and maybe some other guys who just blew up early in a couple of these games. I, I do think it is time to sell Tyreek Hill because even if he is the current number one dynasty wide receiver, we know he's getting up there in age. And even if his actual contributions don't drop off too much, we know that his perceived value is going to drop because of his age. And also I do have some qualms about Hill long-term because he is a guy who has developed that route running capability. But part of the reason he has such big plays is because of the speed. So we know that those types of speedy receivers can have issues as they get older, you know, the hamstring strains and the soft tissue injuries when their bodies can no longer catch up to them. Um, So it it really depends. Right now, I can definitely see an argument for Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase over Tyreek Hill if you are not contending. Um, where I can't go is DK Metcalf or Devontae Adams. Right. Like, um, that, that blew my mind. Like, Devontae Adams, I mean, we're talking <laughs> Tyreek Hill is younger, and Tyreek Hill is putting up better numbers. And we have no idea. Patrick Mahomes is going to be there for the length of Tyreek Hill's, you know, as long as Tyreek Hill is. But is Aaron Rodgers still going to be there for Devontae Adams? I mean, if we're talking about Tyreek Hill being a sell, is there a bigger sell than, I mean, we've been talking about it ever since Izzy was on. Devonta Adams, if you're not all in, is got to be the biggest sell out there. Yeah, and then you know it, it's all risk analysis, right? Because DK Metcalf is obviously much younger, but there is some question about what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. Seattle right now may or may not be the worst team in the NFC West. Um, that is a really good division. Depending on what happens this year, we could see Russell Wilson potentially gone in 2022. Uh, we don't know what quarterback situation, you know, would entail without him. Uh, and we know that Pete Carroll still continues to want to lean on the run, even though they've been pacing a little bit faster. It, it just hasn't developed into that consistent elite production that we know a specimen like Metcalf can produce. But, you know, uh, again, it depends on how the team deploys him to an extent. Yeah, the other thing I want to look at here is, I mean, 
we've talked about this before, but building your team around young wide receivers and drafting your startups around these wide receivers, the number of running back injuries we've had has been astronomical, right? We've lost so many guys here. And it's it's kind of a nice influx here of when we go to 2022, some of these wide receivers, you know, are going to give you that nice insulated less less risks. I mean, how many of our big wide receivers, AJ Brown's been down, you know, Julio, but for the most part, wide receivers have been healthy. We know that's something there. Running backs are going down big time, you know, and it's it's one of those things where I think we need to look at that a little bit closer. You know, we're always assessing and trying to take, you know, where it's in the past, three or four years ago, was take those wide receivers early, take those young guys. Then it became, well, I got to get those running backs. And now, if you look at it right now, it's a 50-50 split, you know, and I feel like that's kind of come around a little bit and people are starting to have different philosophies when it comes to that. The guy that's on here, you know, the two rookies at, at 10 and 11, I think we definitely need to take a closer look at. I mean, Jamar Chase, you and I were huge on him. We've been since day one. You know, people were fading him there for the preseason. But you look right now, he's getting he's second in the league, only behind DJ Chark, you know, at 3.93 yards per touch. He has looked fantastic, you know, and he's tied to Burrow, and it looks like, the same thing we were talking about, right? If Jefferson was a wide receiver one last year, Jamar Chase is just as talented, if not more, and belongs in that same category after year one. I, I still see it happening, and he looks fantastic. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's crazy if you're 101 in Dynasty Startups right now is Jamar Chase in one quarterback formats. Um, I, I don't know that I would do it, but uh, I, I definitely see the argument for it. Even in redraft, I was higher on Chase than most. Um, to me, I don't see Higgins being the number one in this offense. It's clearly Jamar Chase from what we've seen, even when Higgins was healthy. Yeah, and I think the other thing to look at here is, I mean, CMC's banged up, you know, uh, once again. Alvin Kamara has shown, like like we were kind of saying, it might not be the same kind of, you know, show for him. And these, these guys are starting to move back here where if you are not – if you're not 4-0, if you're not 3-1, and if you're starting out 0-4 and you have CMC, it might be time to say, you know what, I want to get Swift or Lamb or one of these wide receivers or Harris or Chase. Get a package and try to make those kind of moves. A lot of times, you know, I was talking to a guy last week, he was 0-3, and he said, you know what, I'm not trading Christian McCaffrey unless... You know, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away. You know, he's like, if for you, I'm going to need Chris Godwin and Saquon Barkley. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to give up that kind of, you know, two premier assets just to get, you know, to move into that situation. And then I look, and this week he lost again. So he's 0-4. Now he said to me, he goes, bro, what can you give me for Christian McCaffrey, right? The longer we go with this, and, and I mean, we have to look at it where if he gets banged up again, it's a 20%, you know, I was looking at medical reports, it's a 20% more likely chance with the injury that he has to, to have another hamstring injury. If we miss six, eight games like he did last year, you know, he misses a ton of games. I mean, can we say there's a different 101, you know? I mean, Christian McCaffrey's moving down, Kamara's moving down. It's an interesting type situation when you look at it. Yeah, and we haven't even, you know, touched on Alvin Kamara yet, who I it baffles me that he's even in the top 12. Um, I, I know, right? I mean, above Najee Harris, Najee Harris right now is in the top five or top six in the NFL in receptions. You know, and I know it hasn't been pretty and it hasn't been, but that that's what we want from Kamara, right? And he's not doing it. And he's 27 and Najee Harris is 23. I mean, that's a pretty big difference there. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't really get it. I already had Alvin Kamara, I believe, at 18 or 19 in my preseason dynasty rankings. Um, there was concern about 
is target share and the overall efficiency without Drew Brees, and we're seeing that being a major issue. Uh, on top of that, we're seeing a lot of involvement from Taysom Hill in the red zone. We don't know who their quarterback is in 2022. Uh, you know, if you could have gotten, I don't know, DeAndre Swift plus a first or CH Absolutely. plus a first prior to the year, uh, that, that's a move that definitely should have happened. But it, I and think we it's talked a about that at this point. That's the kind of insulated move we we talk about making all the time. Is is trying to assess that next big. I mean, we were talking about it last year where if you could get C.D. Lamb and a first for Devontae Adams, well, now look at that. The ADP is, they're right there, and then you added that first, and that's where that insulated value just takes off. I got, I gave up Devontae Adams and got Darren Waller and Najee Harris. You know, like, look at that. Najee is one pick behind him there. So, I mean, you know, that's going to change a little bit. The more chances you have, the better it is, you know, and you kind of work that. One of the other trades that was sent in by, from Braden Strait, that's at, and that's his Twitter handle as well. And this one was kind of surprising to me. It was get Christian McCaffrey or Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Tyreek Hill. So it's an interesting type move. It said 12 team, full PPR, no bonuses or anything like that. And we look at you get a guy who's, you know, the 112 versus the guy who's the 101. Does Clyde Edwards Hilaire make up that difference for you? Oh, yeah, that's a smash except for that's- me. I mean, Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. I mean, it's like after the injury, if you're able to get Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Solaire, that just seems that that's that's the kind of trade I want to make all day long. Yeah. And I don't think you have to panic about McCaffrey. It sounds like he might even return this week. But the, the question is, if he misses another stretch of four to six games, where does his dynasty value drop? Because he is getting up there in age. And then yeah. you also have to question if he continues having these types of soft tissue injuries are they eventually going to cut into his workload, use Chuba Hubbard a little bit more? So even if he is healthy, he's not going to be quite that elite top three running back who's getting 90% of the touches in his backfield. Exactly, and that's that's one of the main reasons why he's there um, at, you know, at that 101 spot is getting that much usage. Uh, staying in the same division, a guy that I'm getting questions about all the time. You know, Let's look at this. You got to be surprised that he's still healthy, right? And we've never denied the talent. Top 10 pick in the NFL. Mike Williams is now the wide receiver five with 19.9 fantasy points per game on 31 targets, 22 receptions, 295 yards, four touchdowns. He is now the 1B in that offense. You know, like it's, it's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, 1A, 1B, with one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Justin Herbert has put himself in that top five dynasty quarterbacks. I mean, he looks, you know, we all had some questions there, but he literally looks the part. I mean, he is... He looks phenomenal. He has not regressed at all. The fact that he is the age that he is coming out and being on his second head coach and he's still putting up these numbers, he looks really good. I mean, they could easily be 4-0. But the question is, so what do we do with Mike Williams, right? So I had a question last week, and I promised him I would go over it. This is from Grayson Chilton. And he said to me, he sends a question, what do I do with Mike Williams? You know, I'm not in contention. Should I just, the guy wants to give me a first. I said, no, that's probably good value. But I said, let's shoot for a little bit more. You know, it's a super flex league. Ask for a first and a young upside player. You know, I suggest the guys like Elijah Moore and, and things like that. And he goes, well, let me go out and see what he says. And I said, well, start high. You know, don't just say any first gets Mike Williams. You know, and that happened in uh, in the league that I'm in, in the UDLP. The guy said, hey, any first gets Mike Williams. That's not the kind of move I like to make in a group chat, right? Like, let's say Mike Williams is on the block, not or Mike Williams is up for trade. You know, people don't like that term on the block. But don't say any first gets this guy. Because if you do that, 
Then you come and you accept it. You get a late first from Mike Williams. On the flip side, I said to him, let's shoot for this. You know, ask for a first, ask for a second, get a guy thrown in, see what happens. And you can work back. You know, it's part of the negotiation. Let's talk. So my man goes out there and he gets Jacoby Meyer, who is the wide receiver seven. You know, he's top seven in targets, top seven in receptions, a 22 first and a 22 second. I think this is an absolute, you know, Jacoby Meyer is only going to improve as Mac Jones does. I think this is an absolute smash except and the kind of moves that I think you guys should make. Um, talk to me a little bit about the uh, the deal. And I mean, are you believing in Mike Williams? He looks, we've talked about it before. If he, he makes great contested catches, Justin Herbert has his, you know, he trusts him, but we've always talked about, he just lives with reckless abandon. There's the cops. They're coming for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not even that, right? Because we know that he is a little bit older. He's 27 already. The charges already declined his fifth-year option. Is it possible that they still re-sign him, that they agreed to a deal? Sure. But the season he's having, I, I would assume that unless they're cutting Keenan Allen, they're not going to spend quite that much money on two wide receivers. Um, so uh, like we said with Devontae Adams, right, there's risk because, one, we don't know what team he's going to, and, two, we don't know what his quarterback situation is going to be like in 2022. So if you're rebuilding, there's really no reason to hold him. Um, that's even beyond, you know, the injury risk that you said, where he just kind of lays out for some of those catches. Although it is worth noting that he's being used, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, yeah. not quite just going out for deep, deep bombs like he was with Phil Rivers. <laughs> um, so, you know, to your point, let's start with the general and move down to the specific. I think, and we, we've done, I, I think we did a trade centric show in the off season, but, uh, you know, I, I would I don't personally ever just throw out um, offers in the group chat saying, like, I'll take a first for this player. I, I prefer to coordinate my trade offers individually because I, I think it, when you put that out to the market, it really kind of it puts a constraint on what you can expect back. Right. And sometimes, uh, again, this goes into more trade strategy than anything, but. It just, it just gives you less leverage when you're saying, I am definitely looking to sell this player versus you making an individual offer saying, hey, this is just something I think might make sense, and we'll go from there. Right. Um, but to your point, the trade, I don't know that I'm sold on Jacoby Myers long-term yet, but to get him plus, what, a first and second, you said? Yeah, in Superflex, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a, a move that I would make. Um, again, he is getting up there in age, and we know that he is hitting free agency after this season. So I I would still sell him for first under the right circumstances, but ideally I think with his start to the season, you can get more for him at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's why he, he started out that way, and I was like, let's let's just change it up. Let's change the thinking a little bit. And, and you're right. I mean, once you put that out there, it, any first, you've literally taken away the fact that sometimes you just get blown away by a guy, right? A guy might be like, whoa, Mike Williams is killing it. I need a wide receiver. I'll trade you two firsts for him because I need that wide receiver one. And, you know, it happens sometimes. You'd be shocked by some of the offers that, you know, I get in my inbox. And I'm sure you do as well. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Who's offering that, you know? But it's not it's not a guy that says it in the group chat of, give me a first and I'll take him. Um the next thing we want to talk about is, you know, some wide receivers. Should we trust them? You know, shouldn't we trust them? Debo Samuel right now is the wide receiver five. And these games don't look like flukes. I mean, he is a yards after the catch monster right now. And yeah, you know, that we we've we've been on the IU train, we've been on the on the Kittle. 
is it Debo time? I mean, right now when it comes to yards after the catch, and this is this is the today's NFL. I mean, these yak guys are what's killing it. Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift are one and two in the league, and, and yak number three is Rondell Moore, number four is Cooper Cup, number five is is Debo. And when you look at that, it's like those are the guys that everybody wants right now. Those are the guys that are really producing those quick outs, get it out, so we you know avoid some pressure. And Debo just he's had injury problems, but he looks like a top. 15 type wide receiver in dynasty. I mean, if he can stay healthy, this is the kind of stuff that we wanted to see from him. What should we expect? I mean, Trey Lance is going to get the get the nod here this week. Super excited about that. I wanted to I you know, I put that trade out there about like, do I give up next year's 101 and a pick to get Trey Lance? He looked great. Does Trey Lance coming in mean Kittle and Ayuk are going to get a bit more involved because Jimmy Garoppolo really was just targeting Debo, right? He was keeping things short. He was trying to get it out quickly. Let's talk a little bit about San Francisco and what's going to happen. Yeah, I, Debo Samuel is a tough one for me because he has had just such an extensive history of soft tissue injuries dating back to South Carolina. Um, it, it's just, it's one of those things where like, you never want to use the term injury prone, but when a, a player has recurring soft tissue injuries, it feels like that's something where that's just where their body is not quite ready at all the time for those speedy plays that they're making. Right. Um, I, this is a tough one for me because I think he's a buy in the right situation. He's a sell in the right situation. Uh, this is very value dependent where if you can get, you know, that same return, for a first and a second and Jacoby Myers, I would sell Debo Samuel for that. Um, and he, I do think that he is in that same category as Mike Williams mm -hmm. because how old is Debo Samuel? I, I believe I mean, 25. Yeah. He, he was another older guy not, coming he's in. He's not old, right? No. He's not quote unquote old, but he's not in his, he's not um, the perceived value around him is not the same as it is for other players who are a couple of years younger than him. Exactly. So I, I'm not worried about his age. Um, he's a, again, I said I would value him very similarly to Mike Williams, where I think he's going to be great this year. Um, but there are risks that come along with him. Yeah, and, and the the very promising thing to look at is last year. You know, you looked at at Debo's air yards, and they were, I mean, it was like negative air yards, right? I mean, we were like his his a dot was just everything was behind the line of scrimmage. This year, you look at it, and he's got he's got twenty one receptions for three hundred and twenty yards, three hundred nine air yards, which is very surprising because in the past it's been bubble screens, it's been things back, and they're getting him a little bit more involved out there. I mean, San Francisco's going to be exciting. I saw one person tweet out. You know, Russell Wilson isn't that Trey Lance is going to outscore Russell Wilson in this second half of the season, you know, or this last three quarters here. I have some situations, Mung, where I'm a contender and I have I have Tom Brady. So this is going to go against it here. I got Josh Allen. I was considering a guy made me an offer. He wants Tom Brady and a first for Trey Lance. And I'm like, I feel like I got to do it, right? I mean, Tom Brady has looked fantastic with the exception of New England, but. You get Trey Lance in that first, and Trey Lance's value is going to soar in the next couple of weeks. Well, that blasts me, but personally what I would do in that situation is I would sell Josh Allen for Trey Lance Plus. Yeah. Because I, I think that Lance is going to give you, you know, 85% of the production that you're going to get from Josh Allen, but you might be able to get Lance in a first just based on Allen's perceived value. Yeah. Well, Josh Allen, you know, he started to turn it around. And, you know, the other guy that's in that same mold that I really wanted to take some time is 
Jalen Hurts is the QB three right now. You know, one only him and Mahomes are the only two guys that have been a QB one each and every week. He's averaging 290 yards through the air, averaging 60, almost 60 yards on the ground. Can we can we expect this? You know, I threw that out there in the bold takes that he could possibly be a top five quarterback. The way he keeps running the ball, he just keeps looking a little bit better each week. I mean, the Eagles defense isn't going to be stopping anybody. It's going to be a lot of, you know, playing from behind. But Jalen Hurts might not be pretty, but he is definitely a QB1. Yeah, and we, we knew that the upside was there, right, because of his rushing production that we saw a glimpse of towards the end of last season. Uh, my issue with Jalen Hurts was always the risk of whether he got benched this year, depending on his play. Um, and again, I'm not like a QB film guy. I have people that I go to on Twitter that I trust, you know, Waldman among others. And all the reviews have been glowing that he's making the right decisions. He's not turning the ball over. He's not making some of those Carson Wentz mistakes yeah. that we saw because he has been under pressure too, but he's not just chucking it up and he's not fumbling. Uh, I think that Jalen Hurts is a strong, strong buy right now because he could be, you know, in that Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray tier in maybe even a couple weeks. You know, yeah. I, I think the sample size is still small, so there might be an opportunity to buy. Um, but yeah, I, I believe in Jalen Hurts at nine end. I think the, the meat really swung in his in his favor. I really needed a quarterback in Smash except one, and I gave up AJ Brown in the deal that brought me. Jalen Hurts, but I mean, after what I saw week one, and and then I was like, I, I was really happy, I talked about that when we were on the pod, that he was making smart choices, right, and that he wasn't forcing the ball, and he's done that, his 65% completion percentage, I mean, that's no joke compared to last year was barely 50, you know, he was barely getting out there, 65%, the turnovers are, are you know, he is one of the least turnover quarterbacks so far in the season, and that's, that's really been surprising, because I mean, you know, they did play San Francisco in there, and, and, I mean, the Chiefs are an absolute sieve. That's a little bit different. But he's he's looked the part, and I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if you're in a situation where you're trying to move down and, and get a insulated value, I think he might be one of those guys that you can pick up and get a lot of value. Uh, we saw what we liked from Jalen Hurts, but nobody saw this. So Corderell Patterson is not just a kick return specialist. He's the RB1 in fantasy, right? So I picked him up. In almost every league after week one, right? Because not a lot of not a lot of leagues owned him. You know, he wasn't one of those one of those highly owned players. And I was just like, ah, it's worth a shot, right? He's shown some glimpses time to time. Then week two, he goes out and he scores another touchdown. And then week three, I think another touchdown, maybe a pair of touchdowns. Then this week, I'm like, maybe I should start him. You know, like it just felt weird, right? Like maybe I start Corderell Patterson. Dude scores three touchdowns. He is the RB one right now. Eleven. He he's what do we have here? In Atlanta, he touched the ball 11 times for 116 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, they're going to keep using him, right? They they have to keep using him. Are we in a spot where we can start Corderell Patterson? I mean, some people have been smart and been doing it since week two. I feel like most of my rosters, I'm like, I'm not going to make a decision where I'm like, yeah, I think I'm benching DeAndre Swift, Austin Eckler, you know, and these type players for Corderell Patterson. But the dude, he has wide receiver and running back options in a, in a lot of leagues you could be one or the other should we start trusting it it, it sounds weird right yeah I, you know it's funny because i'm seeing a lot of conflicting tweets where one person will be like sell cordero patterson the touchdown uh, percentage simply isn't sustainable which right. is correct 100 um and then i see someone else saying well he's being used in the proper way 
you know, this is sustainable, maybe not the touchdown part, but the rest of his production. And that's also correct. I mean, he's uh, got he's got 18 receptions for 235 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, even if you take away the touchdowns, 18 receptions, that's more than Jamar Chase. That's up there with, you know, Hollywood Brown, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, DeAndre. DeAndre Hopkins, that can't be right. Yeah, it's actually for receptions. I mean, you know, I'm going down through on, on Air Yards, which is now on FTNFantasy.com. You guys should check that out because the stuff that they have on there when it comes to Air Yards is, is just awesome to look at. But, I mean, they are using Cordero Patterson like we thought they were going to use Mike Davis. Mike Davis has actually been an RB2 as well because of the slop time receptions of late. They're just kind of like both of them are borderline flex RB2 worthy, and it seems crazy. So right now, the comp that I think is most apt for Cordero Patterson is J.D. McKissick. Okay. Because we're seeing that Patterson, his snap count is still fairly low. He's playing between 30 and 40% of the snaps each week. Um, So his opportunities are somewhat limited. But we know that he's being used, one, as a receiver a lot. So in PPR formats particularly, that's upping his value. And two, he's being used in the red zone. So clearly Matt Ryan has chemistry and trust Patterson. He's one of the top guys that he's looking for. So my advice would be if you can get top 10 running back um, return for Cordero Patterson, which I don't think you are in most leagues. I think most fantasy GMs are smart enough not to fully trust that. Um, Then obviously he's a sell. If you're getting a first or more for him, that's a smash except any first you have to take it i was saying after week one somebody was saying you know i have patterson and i got offered a second i was saying any second is a sell for Corderell patterson after week one now I, I think i would need second and a little bit of juice just because i don't anticipate this being a long-term thing you know i've always thought Corderell patterson is a guy kind of like I mean, he's not like Debo Samuel, but you put the ball in his hands, he's going to make things happen. He can run the ball. He can receive anything up close to the line. He's going to make you miss. But, I mean, sometimes when when things happen for four, four weeks, that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen the entire time. I mean, this is a definite sell opportunity. But if you can go out there as a contender and give a pair of thirds or a late second, I think it's worth having him on your roster just in case this this is a little bit more than a fluke. I could see him finishing in that RB20 range in PPR. Um, yeah. Just on volume and then some touchdowns in the red zone. So, again, it, it, if you're rebuilding and the best you can get for him is a second, I think that's fine. I would yeah. still take the second. But ideally, after this three-touchdown week, uh, you know, second and a third, second and, uh, I don't know, a, a flyer third-round guy like uh, a D. Eskridge or, you know, one of those rookie wide receivers who were later in rookie drafts, something along those lines. Yeah. I want to break down, you know, I was talking about talking about air yards. And then when you look at air yards, you, you can you can just start to see the writing on the wall here, right? Like Stefan Diggs is number one in the league with 537. Brandon Cooks, who's looked fantastic, and his target shares through the roof is 519. Tyreek Hill, 497. Devontae Adams, 493. Tied with him. Cortland Sutton, 493 air yards. Cortland Sutton has been fantastic. You know, I think you, you, you and I have been on the Cortland Sutton train for a while. He looks all the part of that wide receiver one that we thought he was. <laughs> there it is. You know, like I know, uh, you know, coming out, it was, was it uh, Nick Whalen was like, this is the guy, right? And we've, he's shown glimpses of it. I mean, he borderline looks like a wide receiver one now. So here's my advice for Cortland Sutton. 
Um, I would not go out and buy him right now because right. I think Jerry Judy is on the cusp of coming back. Um, that's going to depress his value a little bit because we know that Judy is going to take away some of that target share. For me, I, my upside case is after Sutton leaves Denver, right? That's what I want to see. I want to see him have a chance like Corey Davis to go to another team after this season and potentially mm-hmm. be that number one guy. So I, I would value him in that, <clears throat> excuse me, I would value him in that mid to late first range. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get him for that price, that's fine. Um, if you think you can maybe get him for a little bit less in a few weeks, depending on how fickle these league mates of yours are, um, you know, you guys know your league better than we do. You know which owners are smart, which owners not so much, and which owners are, are willing to trade a lot, and which owners generally you have to pry players away from them with your cold, dead hands, right? Um, so I would try and wait to buy Cortland Sutton if you are not contending. Um, or if you are contending, maybe sell high because I do think that his target share is going to be limited with Fant there and with Judy coming back and Bridgewater really spreading the ball around. The other guys that I wanted to look at was our, you know, our target share, right? We, I mean, we have guys right now. The number one wide receiver in target share in the NFL is Brandon Cooks, just like we anticipated, right? Now, Brandon Cooks is one. Devontae Adams is two. We knew that was going to be happening, and then Cooper Cup is three at thirty-five percent. Cooper Cup, you know, is still the wide receiver one through four weeks. And I'm seeing a lot of people have questions of like, should I trade C.D. Lamb for Cooper Cup? Should I trade, you know, Justin Jefferson for Cooper Cup in a third? And the answer is no. You know, it's like Cooper Cup is not going to maintain a 35% target share. However, Matthew Stafford has been locking on to him. We all wanted it. You know, a lot of people were big on Robert Woods. Cup has looked great. You know, but again, a guy that's going to be turning 28 years old, we, we can't get too excited here. You know, I'm seeing people selling for two mid super flex firsts. I'm seeing people, you know, like I said, debate after CeeDee Lamb's had two straight bad games of, of less than 10 points. Should I start making those kind of moves? And if, if you're a contender, we're talking about giving up a lot of perceived value loss, right? We talked about it week one where and all offseason. I was buying Cooper Cup and Adam Thielen on the cheap, given late firsts. Because that was the value. Now's not the time to buy Cooper Cup because you're going to overpay. It's not, but if you're contending, um, I would be fine giving up an early first for Cooper Cup because really, what's the difference between him and you know a Keenan Allen who's a similar yeah. age, similar target share, very reliable, clearly the go-to guy um, for their quarterback, and we know that Matthew Stafford's locked in for a couple of years at least. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you need wide receiver help, or if you want to get that piece that you think can really strengthen your team when you're already a strong contender, then I think it, it is worth buying high on him as long as, you know, you're not playing, you're not paying CD lamb plus or yeah. Justin Jefferson plus. Right. Right. It's definitely worth, you know, putting it out there. I mean, he's, you know, he is getting peppered. He's up there with, you know, he's looking at right now. 431 receiving yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's, that is, we've seen him do this on stretches before. And Matthew Stafford has looked everything that we wanted him to be with the Rams. The other guy that really surprises me, you know, in the top 10 when it comes to target shares is Darnell Mooney. You know, so we got to look a little bit. They announced Justin Fields is going to be the starter. You know, finally, you know, he has not looked good, but they've put him behind an offensive line that just is, is scary. But Darnell Mooney. A lot of times when people are saying, you know, is he worth a second round pick? 
he's looked really good. And Allen Robinson has had a little bit of a disappearing act. Do we feel like that's going to start to balance out a little bit more, or is Mooney really someone that's here to stay? That's another tough one. Um, I think if you can get a first for Mooney, I would still sell at that cost, but certainly you're holding for a second because we have seen that upside. Um, it's just that I, I don't know that he's a true number one in the league. Uh, and what What's going to happen when Allen Robinson leaves, right? Because so often we see these guys where we want them to be the number one for their team, but maybe they're best, they're most productive in that ancillary role, right? Like a Juju Smith-Schuster who had Antonio Brown there, right? What, mm-hmm. what does Juju look like as a number one receiver? I don't know about that. Um, the same goes for Darnell Mooney. And I think the production can be there with Justin Fields. We've seen him already get hit uh, on some deep shots, whereas we never would have seen that uh, before. But, uh, you know, again, it comes down to price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Justin Fields, you know, I, I, some people have soured on him. Like, I have him in a couple of leagues, and someone today offered me Daniel Jones for him straight. And I'm like, do we really think that's where we're at now? I mean, Daniel Jones, you know, has looked good, and he's been running the ball. But, I mean, like, we're not abandoning ship on Justin Fields after, after a couple starts where we're talking about a poor offensive line now, David Montgomery is banged up, so we got some things going on there. So, I mean, hold on to Justin Fields. Don't get too excited. You know, you, you probably shouldn't have been in a position if you're a contender where you have Justin Fields as your QB1 or QB2. You, you know, want to have some of those other guys in there, and that part's fine. But I still feel like he's going to be – he'll be fine by the end, you know. So, I'm excited for this week to see him play again. I'm excited to see Trey Lance get the start. You know, I'm excited for a lot of things. What's the biggest thing for you this week that, that you're looking to see? Uh, well, real quick before we move off of Mooney, um, yeah. I, a, a comp that I like for him is Marquise Brown. I think they're both those smaller speedsters, but I don't know that you're going to get consistent week-to-week production from them. They're going to be in that boomer bust wide receiver two, three category. Um, so that's how I would label Mooney personally. Um, but yeah, I'm going on. I, you know, let me get your thoughts on some players that I've struggled to value, right? It's hard because, right now with some things. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I like um, Daryl Henderson is someone I want to talk about because we had all this excitement about Cam Akers preseason. We just didn't know how the Rams were going to deploy that backfield. And we're seeing basically the dream scenario that many wanted for Akers, right? Yeah. Henderson has been an absolute workhorse when he's healthy. I personally had a little bit of concern of whether it would be more of a split with Sony Michelle after he came back from the rib injury. But it's been all Daryl Henderson in his first game back. How are you valuing him? That was been a tough one. And like in redraft, I was all I was going after him. You know, like he once he had that injury, I was like, right, this is a window. So I made an offer in my redraft leagues, and I feel like he was a guy that I was willing to to give up a first. He's looked fantastic. I mean, when he's had the opportunity, and you're right, I thought Sony Michelle was going to come in. Sony's kind of dropped the ball big time. I mean, you know, people got excited. If you sold Sony Michelle for a second when that trade happened. Good for you. You know, you've definitely made out. And I think the the, the real question is going to be not is Darrell Henderson the starter the rest of the year, but what happens next year? You know, if he keeps looking like this, what does that do for those Cam Akers shares? You know, and Akers really only took over, if we, we've talked about it before, he really only took over when Henderson got injured last year. You know, and that's where it, through that playoff stretch he took off. This Rams offense is one that I want as many pieces as possible. You know, where there's a lot of players like that. Where Henderson, even guys like James Conner, you know, I want guys in that back on that team. The Cardinals look phenomenal. The Rams look phenomenal. That game was fun to watch, and they're they're going to be high scoring teams all year. 
give me the running backs in those situations. And I'm more than willing to give up. I'm, I definitely would give up a late first and like a, you know, a throw in there. Maybe like 1-8 range, but I wouldn't want to give up too much more than that in a super flex is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and you know, this kind of goes back to, speaking of Akers, we had that show where we talked about all these injured running backs, right? Ken Akers, um, J.K. Dobbins, and Travis Etienne, the three big ones. And, you know, my stance on those guys was that the current players are going to have their shot at proving themselves to be the lead back going forward, whereas they're sitting on the sidelines, they're in rehab, and, you know, it sucks, but that's how the NFL is, right? If you can prove now that you're worth a starting job, then you're going to keep getting that until somebody proves you wrong. Yeah. So there's risk right now in Cam Akers. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I think we lucked out because none of the Baltimore running backs have looked phenomenal thus far. Mm-hmm. And then Travis Etienne, what happens if James Robinson continues to see this kind of workload and does well? What kind of role is Etienne actually going to come back to? I was just going to transition to that next. I also looked up some Twitter trades. I mean, we have... Fantasy Stan put Amari Cooper or Daryl Henderson and a 23 first, you know, in, in Superflex. And I feel like that's not a bad move. You know, like I feel like you're getting a little bit of insulation there where you can possibly, you know, buy a wide receiver with that other one. Say that one again. Uh, Amari Cooper for a 23 first and Henderson. Got it. Yeah. You know, I, like I think that's fine. I'm perfectly fine with those kind of moves. And, and that's that's something you got to go out there and do. Um, as far as ETN goes, same kind of thing is like I was going out there and I was buying them and I was like, James Robinson, you know, looked rough weeks one and two. A lot of the, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily trusting the the Urban Myers grind, if you will. Um, you know, I had to get that out there. But I, I was like thinking to myself, what if he gets fired, dude? Like Trevor Lawrence starts blowing up and things start looking good. But I traded James Robinson after week two in a couple of scenarios and I, I mean, I got Deshaun Watson for him in Superflex, so I can't really complain. But there was some some moves where I was like, I'm not really believing in this, but James Robinson looks good again. You know, and he looks like what he did last year. And you're right. I mean, those are situations where if you can get – I've gone back and forth. I know you've been – if you can get any first for ETN or Akers, do it. And I've gone back and forth. I've been like, yeah, if I'm rebuilding, I think I'll do that. But, I mean, there's definitely some risk there in a rebuild now because neither of those the, – those guys look like they're there to stay. You know, Henderson and ETN look the or Harris, Henderson and why did I just why did I just do it that way? Henderson and Robinson look like they're there to stay too, and they're just going to keep eating into that that same work. And, and I feel like that's why we are trying to assess the next big workhorse. You know, and it's like obviously Najee Harris is getting used in crazy amounts of form, you know, and there's, there's not many guys that are getting that kind of usage and it's just out there. I mean, everybody wants, like I said, Deandre Swift, we have at the one Oh two, everybody wants that, but Jamal Williams isn't going anywhere, you know, and I feel like he's, he's produced and we're going to start seeing more and more Swift after we hear that from Campbell, this is, was his worst week yet, you know? So it's like, we want that next workhorse guy. So who else do we have? Um, so I, I want to ask you something from week two to week four. Can you guess who is the number eight fantasy scoring quarterback? Sam Darnold. Uh, no, he's actually number two. <laughs> oh, jeez, Kirk Cousins. Uh, well, he replaced Kirk Cousins in some ways. Okay, he replaced. Oh yeah, Tyler Heineke. He has looked good, right? This past week, I mean, he he balled out. He was over thirty fantasy points, and uh, I'm glad you said that because I'm like. 
In Superflex right now, I have one league where I have Lamar Jackson, Mac Jones, and Deshaun Watson, and I'm like, I need another quarterback, right? Like, Mac Jones is not getting it done, and I was like, I was shooting for Dak, I was shooting for Burrow, I was shooting for some big names, and ultimately, I was like, yo, can I get Heineke from you? You know, and I was like, I'll give you a second, and I, I, I think I got the guy almost there, right? Like, I was like, eh, I'll just throw something else in there. He's looked good, you know, and I think he's got to be the starter here. You know, we talked about that after week one, like, is he going to be the starter? And he looks good. I think that playoff glimpse that we saw of him last year, like, gave him that bit of confidence. And Fitzpatrick going down, he jumped in seamlessly. Yeah, and to be fair, right, uh, I want to stress that he has been somewhat lucky. We saw a Jameis Winston type of throw from him against the Falcons this past week um, where he he was falling backwards, and he kind of chucked it up. And he was yeah. very, very lucky that uh, McLaurin was able to kind of come back to it in the end zone and it ended up being a touchdown when it very could have easily been a, a game ceiling interception. So I think there, there's still, uh, it's still kind of the diamond in the rough situation. Um, I'm not a hundred percent confident that he's going to be the long-term answer for Washington, yeah. but I think he could be. I mean, um, if you, if you look at, he's on pace for 5,500 yards and 32 touchdowns. I mean, like, and that's not even counting what he does with his legs. The guy, I, I was watching a little bit of the game, I believe, last week, and you know they were talking to Rivera, and they thought that as far as just sheer athleticism, that he's a top ten quarterback. You know, as far as what his not his, I'm not saying he's a top ten quarterback, but his athleticism is in the top ten percent. You know, like he is one of those kind of guys who can do it with his legs too. And is I think Logan Thomas going down is going to hurt a little bit. You know, I feel like that was a nice security blanket there for him, but. It's been fun, and and you get you get the Giants twice, the Eagles twice, and the Cowboys twice. The Cowboys are looking a little bit better, but that helps. Well, I want to use Heineke as as a quick transition to talk about Taysom Hill, who might be a buy low right now, um, because like we're seeing him get goal line usage right, mm-hmm. which is hurting Kamara, and we're seeing that Jameis Winston is still just bad, <laughs> it's, right? It's Super ugly, inconsistent. Well, like this is the time to you know try and acquire Taysom Hill where people yeah. think maybe you're an idiot for buying after the two touchdowns. But really, we could see a quarterback change here in, in the coming weeks, depending on how the Saints are doing. Um, and basically, you know, Taylor Heineke is what we wanted Taysom Hill to be. Yeah. Right? He, he can run. Um, he's not the best passer, but he's serviceable. And under the right circumstances, especially if Michael Thomas can come back and be, you know, even 80% of what he actually is, then I think that there's an argument for Taysom Hill to be a borderline QB1 for the back half of the season if he eventually takes over that job. That's a fun conversation because, you know, uh, we had our guy in Smash Except Listener League 1. He he messaged me, and he's like, what do you want for Jameis Winston, right? And I was like, 23 first, and he's yours. You know, and I was like, and then he put it in the group chat afterwards that, you know, I'm willing to trade Dalvin Cook or Zeke. And I go, wait a second, he said Zeke. And then I was like, oh, wait, Mung gets Trey Lance this week. So now Mung has four quarterbacks. I'm like, I'm not going to get it. He's going to trade Zeke to Mung. I know it's going to happen. And then I was like, I'm going to lose out because I think Jameis Winston is eventually going to lose his job. I mean, he's he's got the least amount of yards out of any quarterback. You know, week one, we, he, was, he was hyped up by that five-touchdown performance. I think even one of his, you know, last couple touchdowns was just that little, like, Hail Mary chuck-up that he did there towards the end. The Saints offense hasn't been pretty, you know, and I feel like, they either, a lot of people are just anticipating Michael Thomas comes back and it's going to change everything. 
we don't know that. You know, Michael Thomas is one that I'm curious to get your take on because I have a lot of people asking, should I go buy Michael Thomas? I mean, is Michael Thomas going to come back and light it up? You know, and it's like a lot of people are on the fence. Like, is Michael Thomas being the diva that he is comes back after week eight and just kind of pulls the same kind of thing that he's been doing the last year and a half? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll ask you this. Would you who would you rather have right now? Michael Thomas or Mike Williams? Well, I think you got to take the guy that's on the field, right? And the guy that's doing it. And he's in a, you know, in, in a, with a real quarterback. I mean, I love Justin Herbert. I've been watching and I'm just like, I'm blown away, right? Like, we might not have believed it before. And it just shows what the Q, QB evaluation sometimes coming out of college, especially even us in Dynasty, where we were off Josh Allen. We were off, you know, we were off all these guys. We were off Justin Herbert. Those are the last guys that should go. And that's why we say if you get that late first, and those guys fall to you, you know, you go for it and you try to, you try to accumulate those kind of players. Yeah. But yeah, I would take Mike Williams. I mean, especially in dynasty because Michael Thomas, I mean, yeah, he could be, he could come back and, or he could get traded or he could go to a situation where, you know, he becomes Julio late in his career because he has the talent, but Julio always wanted it, you know, and he was, he was went out there week in and week out grinding out. And I, I think Michael Thomas, you know, his best days are clearly behind him. And if you sold him, you got plenty of value. Now's not the time. You know, I had a guy in my league. I've been trying for years, right? I was like, I'll give you this guy plus, this guy plus, this guy plus. And now he's like, yo, do you want Michael Thomas? I'm like, nope, don't need him anymore. You know, so I feel like we're past that. I had a guy offer me Hawkinson and Michael Thomas for AJ Brown. And I was like, I love Hawkinson, but whoo, man, if Michael Thomas doesn't come back this year or if he comes back and lays an egg, that's a loss. You know, it, yeah. it, it's tough. It's really tough to evaluate a guy so, that's out like that. I know, I know we're running short on time here, but I want to end with this. Um, a lightning round. Let's say you can trade a, a late second for any of these guys. Who's it going to be, Dalton Schultz or Dawson Knox? I, so when we first started the pod, I said that I thought – that Dawson Knox was kind of a Mark Andrews light, you know, very similar as far as measurables, as far as college production, as far as everything. It looks like, you know, this is year three for him. It looks like he's really clicked with Josh Allen. And I, I want pieces of that offense. And I feel like he has longer upside than Dalton Schultz because I, I think Jarwin's still playing in there plenty. But Knox is that red zone target that that Josh Allen is targeting quite a bit. Uh, and, I, you know, our deal, we, I had a deal sour because, you know, and I know he's listening to the show. Jared from our league was talking and we're like, I thought Dawson Knox at the, at the was worth two-thirds. He said he was worth a second. It's right there, right? Like, I think Dalton Schultz is the same thing. They're approaching that second round value. You know, they're definitely not worth a first. But if either of them, after four weeks, you know, you're looking, I think Schultz is the tight end too, right? And Knox yeah, is top 10 as well. For me, I think Knox is there where I would pay a second for him. Um, Schultz, I'm a little bit more ambivalent on because, as you said, Blake Jarwin is still seeing a few snaps, even though clearly Schultz is getting more at this point. And then the other thing, too, that I'm slightly worried about is Dak Prescott has been spreading the ball around a ton. Yeah, yeah. And how much of and that And Gallup's coming back, back yet. To, yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. Gallup is expected back in the next couple of weeks. So how much does that dilute? the target share to the tight ends. And then the very last one on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being, you know, he's going to be the next Gronk and one being he's absolutely nothing. Where do you have Max Williams? 
So I liked him coming out of college. I really did. And I was taking him in the third rounds of all of my rookie drafts. And we've talked about, we want pieces of that. I, you know, I picked him up in Scott Fishbowl 11 because you want pieces of that Arizona. The next Gronk, he's got the body type, right? And he's got the athleticism, but I'm more like a four there that he would be that, you know, that prolific. But I do feel like he is similar to what we really want out of Mike Gusecki. You know what I mean? Like he's athletic. He can get it done. He's a big body and has tight end one, you know, back end tight end one potential. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I want pieces of that offense. But again, I think it's really going to be spread around. Um, we've seen look, that. AJ Green and, even has looked yeah, good. Yeah, and, and it's hurting DeAndre Hopkins. It's uh, killing but, him. But it's good for the Cardinals overall. So I, I would say I would value Dawson Knox in that mid to late second range. I would value Schultz in that early third range. And I think if you're really desperate for tight end help, a late third is okay for Max Williams. Yeah, I was trying to look up DeAndre Hopkins as far as like, Usually he's right up there at the air yards and target percentage and pretty much everything. But, I mean, he's outside the top 25 in air yards. He's outside the top 25 in target share now. I mean, that's that's not something that any of us would have predicted ahead of time. you know. And I, I feel like that's really, really starting to hurt a lot yeah, of fantasy if owners. You can, if you can still get top five-ish wide receiver value for Hopkins, I would do it. Because I think there's still an opportunity where some league mates might think, you know, he was limited by that rib injury for a mm-hmm. couple of weeks, right? And that's contributed to it. So, you know, I think he can still be a, a top 12 wide receiver finish this year. Um, but I don't know. I think he's going to be closer to wide receiver 15 than he is going to be wide receiver 5 in terms of points. Again, why we talk about insulated trades, you know, it dealt Hopkins for McLaurin plus, And it's like, if you had to choose right now, I mean, if, if someone's talking to you, I mean, are you taking DeAndre Hopkins or Cooper Cup? Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. they're pretty much the same age. I, w- I would take Cooper Cup. Yeah, and it's even like I, I saw some where it's like DeAndre Hopkins or Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson's getting peppered. I mean, he is up there in that target share. Uh, granted, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's noodle arm is looking rough, right? I mean, he's like six yards per attempt and things like that. Let's get Dwayne Haskins in there for some fun. But this has been a fun show. You know, I I was, I'm, I'm glad we were back on here. You know, there's been some circumstances you know, with, with some things that have gone on with some health, you know, with some my family members. And, and last week, you know, some uh, some car problems and things like that. But it was great jumping back on here. I had a blast. Why don't you tell everybody, you know, anything that you're working on and obviously where they can find you? Yeah, I, right now, all my stuff's over at Fantrax. I've been doing a weekly quarterback streamers article. So for more redraft focused, um, obviously, these guys aren't going to be on the waiver wire in dynasty formats for the most part. But uh you can check that out. Uh, I have some preseason dynasty rankings that I updated right before week one. So obviously some of that's already changed, but you can still use it as a gauge if you need to. And then, you know, we're always on answering questions on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.